Uh, we have a treat today. Uh, Jay McKinley, Jay and Jamie are our youth pastors, high school, middle school, and I've asked Jay to come and uh, continue our Advent series. So let's welcome Jay. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good. It's nice to see you this morning. Uh, like Michael said, I am the youth pastor here along with my lovely wife, Jamie. She out there, maybe? But, uh, but yeah, so um, I am happy to be here this morning. Uh, my wife and I have been coming to VCDC for about 11 years now, which is hard to believe. And um, we've got two wonderful kids, Carter and Avery, if you've ever met them before. They're pretty, pretty awesome kids. Um, but we, we have been in the Advent series for the past couple of weeks, and we've been talking about how God has reconciled the world back to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And we've been looking at the birth of Christ through different perspectives. And JT kicked us off uh, two weeks ago with talking about the, the birth of Christ through the perspective of Joseph and Mary. And one big takeaway for me was how JT talked about that Mary, she was a recipient of God's undeserved favor and, and, and grace on her life. And, and that undeserved favor and grace is also extended to us and all of humanity. And, and that Mary, her life is a great example of, of faith and, and saying yes to God and his will for her life. And, and, and that she said yes to him. And, and we as well, like God wants to lead us and we're to say yes to him, but not just in, in following him for the first time, but there's many yeses, daily yeses in the little things. And then last week, Andrew taught us on the uh, perspective of the birth of Christ through the, uh, the wise men, um, and, um, or the magi. And some of you may have been disappointing, disappointed hearing that, that much of what we know about the magi are actually from church tradition. And it's possible that they were not actually at the birth of Christ. And so hopefully none of you went home and smashed your magi figurines, and, and so hopefully they're still standing there. But one, one big takeaway for me was just how, how Andrew talked about um, the magi, they weren't Jewish, they were from a foreign land, um, but yet they were still seeking after the Savior. And he compared that to the, the life of Herod where when Herod heard that, that the Savior had come, that threatened him, and he wanted to maintain control. Um, and he actually sought to, to, to destroy the Savior. Um, but today, we're, we're going to be looking at a different view. And in the Bible, we find all different types of people. There's kings, and there's queens, and there's prophets, and there's farmers, and there's fishermen and so on, and, and people with different occupations and backgrounds, and, and people of great influence, and people that we don't even know who they are besides their name. There's, in Chronicles, there's chapters and chapters of lists of names. How many guys read all the names, or do you skip over them, right? And you have no idea how to pronounce their names, right? So there's, so there's people that, and then we, there's like books like First and Second Samuel where it talks about David's life and there's lots of things that we know about David. And so some people we know a lot about, some people very little. <clears throat> and today we're going to be looking at the perspective 
of the uh, shepherds. And these are people we don't know their names. We don't know who they were, but God chose to reveal the birth of his son to them. And so I'd like to look at the question is, well, why shepherds? Why shepherds? Are these just another set of characters with little significance, or is there something more to them? So, so let me pray, and then we'll jump in. So Father, Son, and Spirit, we, we acknowledge your presence here, and we ask for your increase. We ask, Lord, that you would reveal your heart to us. You bring revelation. You show us your heart for humanity and for us individually, Lord. Just bless this time, bless my words. In your name, Jesus, amen. All right, so we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20. So if you want to open your Bible or click on your app, or it's going to be up on the screens here. So I'll go ahead and get started here. So Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20. And it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. All right, so here in the, in the Gospel of Luke, we're, we're told about this uh, angelic appearance to the shepherds. And, and this is the only gospel that reports this. And most of you are, are probably familiar with this narrative. Uh, you see the, the shepherds and the sheep in nativity scenes every Christmas. And how many of you have ever been in a play and played the role of a shepherd or a sheep? Anybody out there? Yeah, a few of you. All right, it's a great role to have because you don't have to have any lines. Or you just have to make a, a bad sound, right? That's all you, you need to remember. It's pretty easy, right? Um, but uh, in biblical times, sheep were, were very important. Like they were used for their wool and for their skin and for their meat and for, for milk. And uh, if you're familiar with, the, the, with Passover, the Jewish holiday, Sheep were a very important part of the ceremonial meal. Um, some interesting facts about sheep. Um, the wool of domestic breeds like Merino um, would just continue to keep on growing. 
like this uh, sheep up here. Kind of looks like a pig in a blanket, but it's actually a sheep in a blanket. All right, and, and one interesting thing, another interesting thing, one pound of wool can actually um, make up to 10 miles worth of yarn, which I thought that's pretty crazy. And another thing, um, a sheep's pupils um, are actually uh, are, are, uh, rectangular, right? And so it gives them peripheral vision, which is really great. And so they estimate that, that their vision is 270 to 320 degrees uh, versus a human, which is around 155 degrees. And sheep have a pretty bad reputation for being stupid and defenseless. Right? We hear about how stupid a sheep is. But actually, they say that a sheep's IQ is about that of a cow. So that must be pretty smart. Right? <laughs> pretty smart. Right? But they, I read that, that they can actually recognize um, human faces. And if they're taught from a young age, they'll actually respond to their name. So... Little, little, little Billy the sheep will come to you, right? And as far as being defenseless, how many of you, be honest now, were ever attacked by a sheep at a petting zoo? Anyone out there? Huh? I, see, I see some hands, right? So some of you have a fear of clowns and some of sheep, right? Um, but there are actually, they estimate there's up to over 1,000 breeds of sheep worldwide which I thought that's, that's amazing, a lot of sheep. But they, sheep have been domesticated for thousands and thousands of years, and because of domestication, they are prone to, to the elements. Um, and in biblical times, they were very susceptible uh, to, to attack um, from you know, wolves and lions and such. And so they were in need of a shepherd. And, and as far as shepherds, now there is some debate between historians about the, the uh, social status of shepherds in, in, in the first century. Some historians argue that, you know what, shepherds were actually like the lowest of the low, that, that they were considered outcasts, that they were considered thieving and dishonest because many took their, their sheep to graze in, in uh, pastures that weren't their own and that even that their, their testimony was not admissible in court. But then you have other historians who say, no, those historians are wrong because they're looking at primary sources that are from a different time period or from a different culture. And so if you're a good historian, you're looking at original documents and you're, you're basing your thesis off of that. And so, but you know, there weren't Facebook accounts where you had shepherds and sheep taking selfies together and, and we can't see how many followers that a shepherd had to see, well, was he really an outcast or not? Look at all the followers, right? But, but one thing that, that uh, historians, I believe they can agree upon, is that one thing we know for sure is that shepherds were not considered high class, right? They, they were blue-collar workers. They, they were just average or, or even less than average. And, and shepherds it could have been just a, a, a small boy or, or a young man. And so they were, not, they were not high on the totem pole. And so when we, when we read about the shepherds in, in 
Luke's gospel, they can be perceived as just witnesses or observers of this awesome event, and we can easily read past the narrative uh, of the significance of, of why God chose to reveal the birth of his son to just some shepherds just doing their job. But I believe that God's choice to reveal his son to the shepherds has great significance. But why, but why shepherds? Why shepherds? But I believe the first thing that we really need to do is well, ask, well, what does God think of shepherds? What's his perception? Does he think that, that they're the lowest of the low? Does he despise them? Does he consider them outcasts? But when we look at the Bible, we find lots of important people in the Bible who were shepherds. Can you tell me, can you tell me who was the first shepherd that's listed in the Bible? Uh, Abel, right? He brought a pleasing offering to the Lord and it was a sheep. And we look in Genesis and we see that Abraham was a shepherd. He had sheep and he had cattle and he had donkeys and camels. We see that, that Moses was a shepherd and, and David was a shepherd. Right? And, and not only do we see great people in the Bible that were shepherd that were shepherds, but we also see a theme throughout Scripture in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that God, that there's a metaphor that's used for God and that God is actually described as a shepherd. Right? And we, we use metaphors to sometimes take you know, a hard-to-understand concept and make it more tangible to us. And, and God uses many different metaphors to describe what he is like. And so we see in Scripture that, that God is described as a rock and that God is described as a, as a king or a lion or a mother hen or a shepherd. Right? Now, now, God's not this cosmic hen with feathers and he doesn't lay eggs, right? but he's like, this is what I'm like. I am, I'm like a mother hen who gathers her chicks. I'm like a, a strong lion, right? And, but he's also like, I am a shepherd, and I shepherd my people, and I lead them, and I protect them. And so our first point is that, that God is the great shepherd. He considers himself the great shepherd. And, and we'll look at Ezekiel 34, 11 through 12. And, and it says this, For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they have scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. Right, so our God is the great shepherd. His heart is to gather and tend to his flock, to care for us, to keep us from danger, all right, and Michael, I don't know how many of you guys were here uh, several weeks ago, Michael did a, a teaching on Psalm 23. Like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right, and if you, if you didn't get to hear it, it's a great message. You can, you can hear it online or, or grab a CD on the info counter. Right, it's, it's a fantastic teaching. Right, but we, we look in, in the New Testament, 
And we, we see that, that Jesus actually referred to himself as the good shepherd. In John 10, 14 through 15, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And he said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And he described how he is willing to lay down his life for his sheep, to sacrifice himself for the sake of his sheep. Right? And God understands the importance of being attentive to the needs of us humans. Now, even though we don't like to admit it, we are frail, we are vulnerable, we are stubborn, right? and we're in need of protection. And God's desire is to be there for us and to provide for us as a shepherd does for his sheep. And so I believe that God has a special place in his heart for shepherds. But that, that doesn't fully explain why he chose shepherds to reveal his son. Right? Why, why wouldn't God choose someone of, of more social significance? Why, why not a priest? Why not a governor? Why not somebody of higher social standing? I mean, does God not understand marketing? I mean, come on, shepherds? What's the deal with that? But I think the text is clear as to why. It says, the angel said, I bring good news that will cause great joy for the holiest of people. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It says, I will bring great joy for regular church attenders. It doesn't say that e either. Or those whose family has it all together. It does not say that. It says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For all the people. And this is a message for all of humanity no matter what standing you have, no matter what occupation, no matter what race, no matter what color, no matter what sex or socioeconomic status, this is good news for all the people. And so I believe that God chose shepherds because it declares his heart for all of humanity. And so that's our second point. God chose shepherds to declare his heart for all of humanity. And we see in John 3:16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall never perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. And this is an all-inclusive message that he loves the last to the least, that he loves those who are born into privilege that he loves those who were born into Christian homes in the United States, that God loves the Muslim and the Hindu born on the other side of the world. Right? He sent his son for addicts and adulterers. God has sent his son for your really nice neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. He sent his son for the LGBT community, your president, your least favorite teacher. Right? that kid who bullies you, God so loves 
loved the world that he sent his one and only son. He revealed his all-inclusive message to shepherds. He didn't choose someone of high standing, of great education, of religious training. He brought divine revelation to these average or less than average shepherds because the message was for them. And it was for all of humanity. And we find in the Bible that, that God uses unlikely candidates throughout the Bible. Right? So we, we look at Moses. What did Moses do? He was a murderer. He murdered an Egyptian and fled. And then he was a shepherd for 40 years. Right? And how old was Moses when, when he went to Pharaoh after response to God's call? He was 80, and his older brother Aaron was 83, unlikely candidate. And what about David, this, this kid who defeats a giant with a rock? Now, what I love about being a, a middle school and high school pastor is like, you know, you t- talk about David and Goliath when, when you're in grade school, but we like talking about David just didn't defeat him with a rock. He got to chop off his head. And they love hearing that part, right? <laughs> but other people like, like Esther, right? A, a young Jewish girl who God uses, who becomes qu- queen of Persia, right? And God uses her to, to save the Jewish people from annihilation. So, and God uses, who were the, the disciples? Uneducated fishermen, a tax collector, some political nut job. All he ever want to talk about was politics. They probably like, come on, be quiet, too much. Right? But God used unlikely candidates in the past, and, and he uses unlikely candidates today. Like if, if you looked at my life, and if you looked at me as a teenager, and you said, oh, one day, Jay's going to become a youth pastor. You say, oh, of course, he, he's a great example for all the children. <laughs> No, not, not at all. I, I, now, I was, I was raised in a Christian home. I had great parents, uh, lived with my dad and my stepmom. And, uh, you know, I, I went to Catholic school through fifth grade, and, and I went to church every Sunday for 18 years, and much of it against my will. Uh, but I, I knew about Jesus. I, I knew um, that, that he died on the sin for my cross, or died on the cross for my sins. And um, I didn't know about having a relationship with Jesus. Like, I never heard those words. I didn't know about the Holy Spirit. And to me, it was like, you know, if the good way, way outweighs the bad, then you're good, you're in. Right? But um, as I got in the middle school and the high school, I really questioned the church, and I really questioned Jesus, and it started seeing the abuse of, of, of kids by priests, and I eventually got to the point where I just said, I want none of this. I, I want nothing to do with Jesus. I want nothing to do with the church. I will find God on my own. And, but ultimately, really what that meant is I can do what I want. I'm going to live how I want. And, and I began experimenting with drugs and alcohol, and it soon consumed my life. And, and it caused great destruction and damage my relationship with my family. 
Um, I, I didn't know this for years, but like, I mean, I'm one of nine kids, um, step family, so I got five uh, step siblings and, and, and the two brothers and a sister. Um, but like my little sister, she shared with me a few years ago that she was scared of me. And I was just like, that breaks my heart. My little sister, who I like, you know, I antagonized her, but I like protected her. But she was like scared of me. And that just breaks my heart. All right, but I ended up leaving home two weeks after I was 18 and just kind of just plunged into a downward spiral, spiral, just consuming my life with, with partying. I was drunk or high every day for about two years from the age of 17 to, to 19. And I, I got to the point where, I mean, I, I recognize, I shared with my girlfriend once, I was like, I feel like I'm missing something. I, I was like, there's a hole in me. I, I'm like, I don't know what it is. I, I recognized I was missing something, but I just continued in that lifestyle. And then one of the scariest things that ever happened to me is my girlfriend Jamie came to me one day and she said, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. Right? 19-year-old boy, messed up kid, going to have a baby. And, um, and I recognized, I knew I was an addict. I knew I had a problem. And so I was like, all right. I want to be a good father, and I know I can't live the lifestyle that I'm living, and so I stopped doing some things that could have potentially, you know, led to jail, and uh, I, I stopped partying as much, um, but the night that my son was born, I was in, you know, the parking lot of the hospital, getting high with my buddy, celebrating, right? I was just in a dark place. I could not escape it, um, but thank God. But then God, about two weeks later, May 31st, 1996, I had a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit, like a powerful encounter, somewhat bizarre, but the Lord, the Lord met me in the woods and, and revealed his Holy Spirit to me and brought back to my mind all the things that I learned as a boy. That, that he was true, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And it blew my mind that the God of the universe like, was like, real and that, and that he knew who I was and that, that he reached down and, and, and revealed that to me. And it, it just, it transformed my life. It transformed my life. And, and I know that this isn't normal. It doesn't happen all the time, but the Lord delivered me from addiction immediately. It's like, I, I was like, I had no desire to get high, to smoke cigarettes, all of it. Like, no withdrawal, anything. He took it away. And, and it's just like, it wasn't something that I reluctantly gave up. It was like, I'm yours. I want to live for you, Christ. And, and it was just, it was an amazing thing that God did in my life. And, and much like the shepherds, I was doing my own thing. Like, I, I, God wasn't on my radar. It was nothing that I did, right? But God chose to reveal his son to me because of, the message was for me and it was for all of humanity, right? I was one who needed to hear the message. I was the recipient of God's extravagant grace Right? And many of you have stories 
of God intersecting your life, right? That God came into your life and rescued you and transformed you, or the, the, the message of Christ rang true in your heart. And I, I know many of your stories of what God has done, how he's restored your life. And I know many of your stories, like so, so many times people are like, they'll hear my testimony and they'll say, oh, I, I wish I had a testimony like you. My life, like, I've just been a boring Christian all my life. And I'm like, what do you mean no testimony? You walking with Christ for your whole life and hearing the Father's voice and Him protecting you and guiding you and leading you and Him using you for the purpose of, your, of the kingdom, that is a testimony. That is a testimony. But yeah, so, so many of us, many of us here are recipients of God, God's intervention in our lives. And there might be some of you here who don't know Christ, but perhaps you're here because of Christ's work in someone you know. And it makes you wonder, could this be true? Could it be true, what they're saying about Christ? And I say to you, yes. Yes, it is absolutely true. But God chose to reveal the birth of his son to shepherds because it's an all-inclusive message for all people. And we can look at the shepherds as examples of, of, of who the message was intended for, but we can also look at the shepherds as examples of how we should respond to the good news. And so that's our third point, is the response of the shepherds. And so we'll continue back to Luke chapter 2, verse 11 through 12. And it says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The angel here said, You will find. This was an instruction to the shepherds that they were to go and look. There was an expected response to the message that the Savior has arrived. And there's no doubt that these shepherds had heard of the prophecies that one day that the Messiah would come and would overthrow their oppressors and set up a kingdom. And they, they themselves probably experienced the, the oppression of the, the Roman occupation and so they are well aware of a, of a Savior that would one day come. We pick back up in verse 15, and it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So after the shepherds received the message, in verse 15 they said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see. So they heard the message and they acted upon it. And not only did they respond, but in verse 16 it says, so they hurried off. 
They did not delay. The shepherds didn't delay, and, and rightfully so. You know, not just one angel appeared, but a multitude. And so I, I think they thought it was pretty important. Right? But, but I think angels or not, right, I believe that we need to apply these principles to our own lives that the message of a savior, of the Savior, of Jesus' arrival, that it demands a response. To all of humanity, we must choose how we are going to respond to the gospel, that God sent his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins, that whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. And this isn't, isn't just for, for an unbeliever responding to the gospel and accepting Jesus as their savior, but also for us believers responding to the gospel and responding to the great shepherd's voice because God wants to direct us and guide us daily in our lives. And JT mentioned a couple weeks ago that it is not just one yes to accepting Jesus into our lives, but it's a daily yes, a daily yes to treating my wife with love and respect. A daily yes of not responding to my kids out of anger. A daily yes of, yes, I'm going to pray for this person, even though it's scary. Right? The life of the Father of Christ is saying yes to what he is revealing and leading us in. And, and in, my, in my journey, I've had many different seasons of ups and downs and and uh, peaks and valleys, times where I've been more um, attentive to the Lord's voice, uh, times where I've uh, been immersed in the Word and praying more, and times where I haven't touched the Word, barely have prayed. Right? When, when I got saved, I was like, I'm going to become a preacher. Right? I didn't know really what that meant, being raised Catholic. I didn't know what being a preacher meant. I was like, I felt like God saved me for a reason. And I wanted to share what God had done. And I, I want to be used for the purpose of his kingdom. But I operated out of fear for years and years. Like, I, and I quickly, the Lord gave me the ability to understand scripture and to teach it from a young, you know, from a young age. So I was built, like within a year, people were asking me to lead small groups and and I was like, oh, I'm comfortable like leading a teaching, and I might lead ministry time, but I'm not holy enough to lead my own small group, right? I don't pray enough. I don't, I don't spend enough time in the Word, right? And I read in James that, that, that teachers would be judged more strictly, and that scared me. That, that really, it scared me. And, but I, I I didn't understand God's grace. I didn't fully grasp his grace and that it is him working in me and it's not about me, right? And so for years, I just shied away from leadership, but it wasn't until uh, about 11 years ago when Jamie and I came to VCDC. Uh, we had spent a couple years kind of treading water and when we came here, we said to one another, you know what, 
we're going to get involved, and, and we're going we're gonna to be open to what God has. And so we started off uh, serving in the, the children's ministry for the summer uh, to give uh, the workers a break, and that was fun, but I had enough of that after about three months. Um, <laughs> I, I do love little kids. It, it was fun, but we, the door opened for us then to, to work with the middle schoolers, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, it, it was just really fun, and, um, and the opportunity to teach came about, and, and um, the previous youth pastors at Lozana's really encouraged us and spoke into our life. And uh, Danny and Penny really encouraged us, and, and we were involved in small group, and we're just so encouraged by our small group leaders. And as time went on, um, more opportunities arose. And I got to the point where I said, you know what? I'm not going to operate out of fear anymore. I want to obey what God has. You know, I, if he opens the door, I'm just going to say yes, and I'm going to walk in, walk through that door. And so more doors became opened. Um, I'm going to say there are some very long hallways along the way, right? Being unsure of what my future looked like. Um, but, you know, eventually six years ago, the opportunity came about for Jamie and I to take over middle school. And we started leading middle school. And I was really comfortable. I'm like, because I'm not considered a pastor, right? I'm just someone who leads, small, or leads the group. I don't like having the title pastor, Right? But then a year and a half ago, the opportunity came about to, to pastor, come on staff and, and, and take over the high school and the middle school. Um, but it started with saying yes and, and being obedient to God's voice and to his leading. Right? And, and some of you in this room, some of you in this room, God is waiting for a response. Right? Responding and inviting him into your life for the first time. Or, or perhaps you have accepted Christ, but it's, you've, you've wandered off. Right? But you've been sensing that God is calling you back to himself. And, and you recognize that he's saying, come walk with me. Listen to my voice. I've got good things for you. Right? Or, or responding to God's voice to share your faith with your friend or your coworker or your neighbor or your classmate or your teammate. Some of you say, but I've known them for so long. It'd be so awkward now to share this very important thing, like the most important thing in my life now, like it's been two years that I've known them. That'd be awkward. But it's the most important thing in your life. So you've got to share. You've got to share with with them, or, or responding and getting connected in a small group. Right? But you say, oh, it'd be intimidating going to somebody's house that I don't really know. That'd be kind of weird. Right? But I mean, look around. Why do we come here? Because one, the Spirit of God is here, but the people here are pretty nice. Right? There's a lot of cool people, and they're cool here, and they're cool in their houses as well. Right? Or responding and, and getting your middle schooler or high schooler to youth group. You like how I put that in there? Right? And I, I totally understand, like, life is busy. Life is busy. And you've got games and you've got other activities and you've got family time. 
But investing in your kid's spiritual health is so important, especially in middle school and high school. I just, I really encourage you, get your kids involved. We're saying yes to a promotion at work. Right? The opportunities come about. And it's scary. You're like, I don't know if I can do this. That's a lot of responsibility. But for some reason, your manager thinks you can do it. And God's opening the door for you. He wants you to say yes. Right? Or yes to leading a small group or leading worship for the first time or serving in a ministry or giving God control of your finances. Or yes to bringing sexual purity between you and your boyfriend or girlfriend. Right? But responding to God's voice can be intimidating and it can be scary. Right? And, and for some of us, especially when it comes to sharing our faith, you may feel like you're underqualified. Well, I'm a, my life's not a good enough witness. Right? I'm not holy enough. I'm not sure what I'd say. I don't. You fill in the blank, whatever it is. But ultimately, it doesn't matter who we are or what we are because it's all about the message and not the messenger. Right? And that's our last point. So it is all about the message, not the messenger. So we'll continue in verse 16. And it said, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as... They had been told. Right, so when these shepherds arrived, was it the shepherds themselves that made Mary treasure and ponder in her heart, or was it the message? It was the message. Right? Sure, it was probably pretty weird having some shepherds show up to your makeshift hospital room. Right? You'd be probably freaked out if a bunch of shepherds just uh, appeared in, at St. Anne's, like, hello. Right? And, and just think, like, those shepherds probably just didn't leave the sheep where they found them. They probably brought them with them. Like, so potentially you had a bunch of sheep around baby Jesus, not just a, a couple of uh, cows and, and sheep. Right? But, but yeah, it was weird, but, but it wasn't their arrival that made her ponder it, it was the message that they brought. That today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And do you think that Mary had any questions about how this was all going to work out, even though the, the angel Gabriel appeared to her? She probably had a lot of questions. Didn't, she, she didn't know what was going to happen. Do you think Joseph had some questions? Sure, he had some questions. But God chose to use these nobody shepherds to bring comfort and reassurance and confirmation of what God was doing to Mary and Joseph. 
And then we see that, that it didn't stop. The message didn't stop with Mary and Joseph. The scripture said they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed because of how eloquently they spoke. No, they were amazed of, of what they said to them. The message they just reported what they saw and what they experienced. And God is calling us to do the same, to take advantage of the opportunities that he gives us in our spheres of influence, to take advantage of the, the opportunities that, that we have in our monotonous comings and goings every day, being, being aware of where he's leading us and he might be whispering in our ear, we're at the grocery store or with our family. Right? And not only sharing the message of Christ with our words, but with our actions, being kind and how we respond and reflecting Christ in us. Right? It is the message, not the messenger. The message that God, the great shepherd, he is not a God who is far off and uninterested in our lives, but he is a God who wants to be involved in leading you. That Jesus is the great shepherd who laid down his life for you and for me. That if we believe in him, we will never perish but have everlasting life. That this is an all-inclusive message for all people, no matter who you are or what you've done. It's the power of the gospel that saves us. Right? It's the power of the gospel that transforms our lives. It, it is all about the message. Right? And this Christmas, we have the privilege and opportunity to simply share what God has done for us. Amen? Amen. All right, well, how about everybody stand? And um, if you don't mind, if you just take a minute and be quiet before the Lord, before uh, ministry time, and JT is going to play a song for us. So Holy Spirit, we, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you for, for using shepherds. We thank you that the message is for us. So we ask, Holy Spirit, you guide this time. So come, Holy Spirit. Okay, um, we've got a couple of things. Um, last night, I, I got a picture um, of, a, of a zebra, like zebra stripes. And, and I felt like the Lord was saying, you know how like, the stripes help the zebra blend into the background, right? And I, I felt like the Lord was saying, like a lot of, there might, there might be some people here who like to really blend into the background, 
right, with your faith. But God, he wants you to have spots, right? He wants you, like, to really stand out and, and, and share your faith and, and allow Christ to really shine through you. So if you're, if you're like, you know, I kind of tend to want to blend in with, with the crowd, the Lord's challenging you to say, you know, come, get some prayer about that because he wants to shine through you. Um, and uh, when I was sharing about how, you know, I was a rebellious kid and, and, and just in a, in a bad place, um, some of you parents here might have children who've kind of wandered um, and, and you're concerned about their lifestyle, you're concerned where they're at. And so I really encourage you, like, my life's a testimony. Like my, my stepmom prayed for me so much. She had, like, the mailman praying and, like, she had so many people praying. And the power of prayer, right? And, but it's the Lord. And so I, I just encourage you to come up and, and get prayer if, if you've got a kid who's wandered. Um, and it's another thing just... You know, sharing your faith, sometimes we can get kind of dull to the, the gospel. Like when I, when I first encountered the Lord, it's like almighty God knows who I am and God is real. But being a Christian for 22 years, sometimes like the reality of God, like it's just like, oh yeah, it's normal, right? But I feel like the Lord kind of needs to renew the joy of some of our salvation. Like so we can really, you know, shine that light and, um, and so, yeah, if that resonates with you, I encourage you to come up front and get prayer. And, and there may be some of you who are here who've never given your life to Christ. And, and he's saying, I want you to say yes, but it takes a step. And inviting him in, if you have never invited Christ into your life, there's nothing magical about coming up front, but it's making a step and someone, another believer will come alongside of you and pray with you and walk with you in that. So why don't, if, if any of that uh, applies to you, I encourage you, if there's any other need you have, any physical ailment, anything at all, come forward and, and let us pray for you. And let me add one more thing as people are coming forward. Jay talked about just his struggle with addictions. And I felt like God was just saying that there's some people today, you've tried to quit smoking, you've tried to quit this, you've tried to quit that, and it's just failure after failure. And we would love to pray for you that he would infuse his power into that decision. So if that's you, come on up uh, and we'll pray for you. spoke a word you were singing over me you have been so so good to me before I took a breath you breathed your life for me You've been so, so kind to me. And oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights 
until I'm found leaves the 99 I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it Still you give yourself away Oh, the overwhelming Never-ending reckless love of God When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. so so kind to me oh the overwhelming never ending reckless love of God oh it chases me down fights till I'm found leaves the night you know and I couldn't earn it, oh, I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. continue to, to receive prayer but I'll just close this with a blessing so Father, Son, and Spirit we just thank you we thank you for the message of the gospel we thank you Lord that, that it is for us that it is for all people Lord I thank you Lord that you see us individually that you want to lead us and guide us and I ask Father that, that you'd help us respond to your voice Help us see those opportunities where you want to use us for the purpose of your kingdom. 
So I ask Lord that you give us faith. I ask that you give us courage. And I ask Lord that you give us opportunities. So we just thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.